everybody, and welcome to episode 70 of Our Baseball Weekly, the weekly podcast from the baseball subreddit. Today, uh, Lewis sits down with Shane and Zach to talk about the upcoming Giants-Dodgers series and do a quick preview of that. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, Dylan is here with me to discuss some other things that happened around baseball. Dylan, how are you doing today? Uh, doing not too bad. I'm in a, I'm in a hoops mood. I got to play some basketball today, and I'm enjoying this uh, Grizzlies-Warriors game at the moment. It's been pretty exciting, but always happy to talk some uh, baseball with you. Uh, I don't think I've been in a hoops mood since uh, since December. So Reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> it's been fun. It's a good time to check in. Now's the time. <laughs> Uh, not if you're a fan of the Indiana Pacers. All right, uh, moving All right. on. <laughs> uh, uh, just literally just before we started recording, Dylan made a joke about this being a Dodgers podcast. Uh, however, we're <laughs> going to start with it being a Mets podcast because a lot of Mets news this week. Uh, let's start with, I suppose, the most positive for Mets fans, uh, the no-hitter. They, uh, was it four or five pitcher no-hitter? Five. five different pitchers. Five different pitchers. Uh, yeah, so uh, it was – who started? It was Tyler McGill who started, right? Yeah, McGill was in it. Uh, Jolie Rodriguez was in it. Edwin Diaz closed it out. I think there was some – else was in there? Drew Smith maybe was in there? Drew Smith one was in there. I, I only remember Drew Smith because I have uh, his card and MLB The Show. That's exactly what I'm doing. Right <laughs> <Yeah>. And Seth Lugo, <laughs> I think, boosted? is the last one. So Seth Lugo, I think, was our, our fourth, so – I think that's the list of the uh, honorees here. Uh, yeah, yeah. Miguel Smith, Lugo, Lud Rodriguez, and Diaz. Yeah. Um, second no-hitter in Mets history after the one that wasn't a no-hitter. Um, so <laughs> it's just like there was a no-hitter, and then there was one where Carlos Beltran hit a double off the line. That's fine. Hmm. Um uh, but yeah, no. Congratulations to all those guys. I didn't. Did you watch any? I didn't get a chance to watch any of it. Did you uh, happen I did to watch any of too, it? But um, it was it was a cool one because, I mean, it was one of those ones where I'm sure it didn't feel like one probably until the end because there were so many pitchers and I think they walked seven or eight batters. You know, total like it was not the cleanest one in the world. But you know, I think it's it was a good uh embodiment of a modern no hitter you know it's it's kind of kind of goofy a lot of pitchers but uh and a great accomplishment nonetheless last year of course was the insane no hitter season where we had like yeah. 12 before the break uh, hope including that, that does not replicate <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i'm sure i'm sure that's not going to happen again but uh you know, uh, there's. It's cool to see the first one of the year. We'll see how many happen this year. Maybe it will. Who knows? You know, with the with the humidor balls, uh, more yeah. balls staying in the park. Or, we'll, yeah. uh, we'll see what happens. A lot of pop outs, a lot of flyouts, a lot of pop outs, a lot of flyouts. Um, the other uh, big piece of Mets news, which uh, I, again, I'm, I'm going to try to be as unbiased as I can here. Um, but there was a big uh, fight broke out between the Mets and the Cardinals uh, with, uh, oh, man, I don't remember which pitcher it was, but throwing very close to Nolan Arenado's head uh, and uh, Arenado charging the mound, you know, suspensions got handed down, et cetera, et cetera. He didn't really charge the mound. He screamed at him and then, you know, then the fight broke out. That wasn't an actual charging of the mound. It's fine. Beside the point. Um <laughs> Uh, it's interesting, I, you know, f- for for context, uh, this um, is it Andrew DeComo, Anthony DeComo, yeah. uh, Anthony DeComo tweet. Uh, if it feels like all this hit by pitch stuff is familiar, here's a crazy stat to explain why. In modern MLB history, only 22 teams have been hit by at least 16 pitches over the first 20 games of the season. Three of those on the list are the 2020 Mets, the 2021 Mets, and the 2022 Mets. Wow. Now you can you can take this a couple of ways, right? Either the Mets have just get, been getting hit a lot, and it makes sense that they get angry and start to retaliate. Mm. Or the Mets are doing something to make themselves get hit a lot, and then getting mad that they get hit a lot. Yeah, and you know, like they get, they did, like <laughs> they have this history already, and then they get guys like Mark Canna who have like very detailed histories of just like you know they get he gets hit and he's fine with that. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really I, I did not know it was that 
extensive for them. Um, I might have guessed like the Cubs because of all. I, whenever I think of hit by pitches, I think of Wilson Contreras getting hit by like the Brewers. When I think you of know, hit, or, hit by pitches, I think of the Pirates hitting batters with pitches. Yeah, Pirates. So I I would have thought the the Cubs might have been or some team in the in El Central. Um, yeah, but. I mean, yeah, you know, maybe there's a combination of fearlessness with their batters, but also, you know, like, I don't know. They got magnets in their jerseys. I don't know. I haven't uh, I haven't been paying attention to this this past weekend series. I don't know if you've again, you know, maybe you pay more attention to the NL East at least. But the uh, the Phillies have hit the most batters in baseballs, and the Mets have been hit by the most pitches in baseball, and Trash. they face each other this this weekend. And <laughs> I'm I mean, you know, they're the Phillies and the Mets. They're going to face each other a lot of times this year. Oh. Um, so that might uh, that might be an interesting uh, uh, <laughs> rivalry to watch this year. Uh, the Phillies, especially because they're also you know they're, they're they're two of the the three teams vying for the division. You know, yeah. I know Jerry's Familia went from the Mets to the Phillies, and he's one of those guys that, like, if Familia just does not have it, he's going to be hitting someone, you know? So the the Phillies pitching staff is probably fairly prone to it with all these dudes with hyper sinkers and, you know, all this stuff. So um, hopefully that does not result in injuries for the Mets, and hopefully they can just, you know, for Mets and Mets fans' sake, they can just keep getting free bases without <laughs> without having to leave. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's talk about. <laughs> uh, so uh, Lewis put this in our outline, and I wonder why uh, mm. the Twins surge and the White Sox fall. Um, I wonder. Uh, wonder why Lewis put that in our outline. Huh. Yeah, it's very suspicious. Uh, although, like the White Sox, I, I feel like editing in real quick. Like we got to see the Angels and the White Sox earlier this afternoon on Sunday, and boy, the White Sox nearly ended their little skid with a vengeance. Oh my goodness, did you see that? Um, yesterday's game, you mean, they, right? Well, well so they, I think they won yesterday, but today they were trailing 6-0 to zero in the ninth okay, inning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Lorenzen yeah, yeah, was and they going scored five for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they yeah. scored five in the ninth and had the bases loaded and lost. It's like, oh my God. Oh yeah, still lost, which is... Uh, so, uh, Although they lost, I think they're picking up some momentum. But the Twins, like... Yeah, and the the White Sox have had a lot of injuries, you know, like just the wrong guys getting hurt early in the season. Yeah, especially in that rotation. Right. Um, It's been not great for them. And and, uh, I don't know where I saw it, but I think they're maybe last in the league in, like, ex-WOBA and stuff like that. Like, it's not like it's, like lucky you know the the injuries are certainly unlucky but it's been very poor performance on the field for them um so there's, there's obviously some things that can happen there like i think Luis yeah, I mean, Robert, you know, when, you, when you expect you know, a, a full season out of uh Eloy Jimenez and then yeah that's <laughs> you know like it hurts not what you um, want it's not what you want but maybe there's some bright side but i mean the twins looked pretty miserable there i mean not miserable but it's just like all right you know like this is just another run-of-the-mill twin season, and they've really picked it up. So I think it's this, you know, early stretch of April where teams get to really figure out what they're, who they are and what they're about, you know? And, uh, yeah. I mean, the best part of the twin season was that, what was that, 469-foot home run that Buxton hit a few days ago? Like, oh, my gosh. That was one of the most insane home runs I've ever seen. Like, I mean, it's yeah, just like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was... Third deck in that stadium, you know, and then Buxton just immediately, you know, like celebrating and yeah. So they got they passed the vibe check, which is like you know we we said this we said this in the in the preview, right? Like if if Buxton can stay healthy, he's an MVP caliber player, and he's clearly proving that. Can he stay healthy? Is is the question, and it's always certainly a question. Yeah, we'll see, right? Like um, it's it's great that he stayed healthy through April. But and Correa has been pretty disappointing so far, but he has turned it on, I think, a little bit in the last week or two, you know, a little yeah, bit more like when you, you know, you're not worried about like, yeah, okay, he's got a slow not. start, but he's still Carlos Correa, right? Yeah. Like, so have a lot of positive things. I still don't trust their pitching staff at all, but maybe Maeda comes back soon. I think they might need one more guy, but Joe Ryan has been really, really good for them. Um, Bailey Ober, who has been really good, got injured as well. Yeah. 
um, again, Archer which is has a guy not who's been like, bad, which is who's good. Billy Ober. Yeah. <laughs> all, all I know about Billy Ober is that I used him in MLB The Show once, and it looks like he's like nine feet tall. But, I have him in two. I have him in two fantasy leagues. And they always not even know his name. <laughs> but because so I just like picked him up, I was like, yeah, maybe he'll be good. And then he was good, and then he got injured. I'm like, I I shouldn't drop him. He's been so good. But I have seven people on the IL. What do I do? <laughs> oh. They've kind of scrapped together some wins. I'm I'm I still don't know. They're 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 just a tricky team. I think I'm basically exactly the same with them as I was at the beginning of the season, where I don't know their true talent. Right? Like I just I have no idea because it's such a strange. It's one of the I think the strangest roster in baseball when you just consider how much changeover they had and then they're relying on and then you know the X factor being Buxton is a top five player in baseball when healthy, but he's also the most you know least reliable when healthy guy exactly, in that group. Yeah. So um, I for. It's, it's yeah. him and Corey Seager, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and but, you know, as far as Buxton, I, I think baseball is a much better place when you see someone with his ability doing what he does because, man, there's there's not a lot like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, 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 I mean, it's, 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 he, I feel like he combines like this old time, you know, speed and fielding and whatnot with a, a more new school like swagger and, and power and all that. Right. It's like, it's, it, he's like, he's this like perfect melding of, of two different generations of baseball. It's super, yeah, he's, super cool. He's everything you want from a spectator, you know, like I can't imagine yeah. having a better viewing experience than someone like him, maybe Acuna, Otani, and Tatis, you know, it's, it's these guys with just freakish power, freakish ability, and freakish speed. And but Bucks, just the way Buxton does it, just looks different. You know, just it's so it's so good. You know, it's again. You know, the the guys you mentioned, great players, but there is there is a, and this is <laughs> there's this there's, there's a certain way that it seems like like Buxton likes to play i don't know i think we see this a lot with black players right there's not a lot of black players in baseball mm-hmm. unfortunately or a lot of, a lot of african-american players there's a lot yeah. of like you know uh, afro-latino players yeah. but there is like i feel like when when a player like when you know Bar- byron buxton market was stroman like when black players are really good in baseball mm-hmm. they seem to have more fun <laughs> than, than yeah. not, i don't know if this is like a a thing that you know I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's a thing that I'm creating in my head, but it just seems like it's just they they have more fun with the game. A more they they it's a more exciting product on the field. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's a certain swagger he brings to that position. You know, center field, and you know, it's just everything you want out of like marketable baseball superstar. And the yeah. only thing that's been holding him back is those injuries. So, you know, I think we Which, avoided way, disaster. Would, be, you know, last week. It would be week. great for baseball if the face of baseball could be a young black man, yeah, like it's baseball has a lot of trouble among those markets. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, that, that would be cool. That'd be yeah. cool. It'd be pretty great. Rooting for his, I think one of my hot takes at the beginning of the season was, I think him and Robert, were going to be in the MVP discussion in Buxton. I think you pretty good as MVP in the, in that preview. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. I was very high on both those guys and Buxton in particular, and I will continue to bang that drum for Byron Buxton as long as he is on the field. Yeah, the, listen, as long as he's not on the IL, he is an MVP caliber player. So um, let's talk about a couple of quick hits of Dodgers pitching. Uh, Walker Bueller threw the first complete game of 2022, a complete game shutout, nine innings pitch, three hits, no walks, 10 strikeouts, 108 pitches. Man, we just don't see a lot of complete games these days, so it's cool to see somebody do it, you know? Yeah, glad some, I mean, Bueller, I mean, who who did they beat again? He just ripped through whoever it was. That's the Diamondbacks. So. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. So, I mean, when you think of the players involved, that it makes sense that Bueller did it against the Diamondbacks. But, um, yeah, I, whenever you get a performance like this, it needs to be celebrated because we get fewer and fewer by the day, you know, it feels like. But, uh, yeah. Dominant and Bueller has a pretty nice start to his season if he is in pursuit of a Cy Young. Uh, yeah, the other uh, former Cy Young, uh, Bueller's teammate, Clayton Kershaw, uh, finally uh, became the n- number one Dodger in terms of strikeouts. Uh, I feel there's a better way to say those words, but he, he <laughs> broke the, rec- the the club record for mm-hmm. most strikeouts by by a pitcher. Uh, 
you know, it felt like it was a matter of time. Just five years ago, it felt like it was a matter of time that Clayton Kershaw would do this. So, you know, we, we have finally hit that time. I am actually surprised it hadn't happened yet. Who is it Oral that he beat or someone else? Um, no, it was, uh, oh, I know this and I can't remember the name of the pitcher. And I can do a quick Google, um, but um, this is all staying yeah, I mean, Clayton, like he can't had that great game to start the season. It was Don Sutton. Don Sutton. That makes sense. Um, yeah, we're, yeah, we're, we're seeing Clayton Kershaw at his best right now for the most part. And um, yeah, I'm pretty surprised it took this long. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, obviously, speaking of of injuries and staying on the field, that is something that he struggled with this, at this point in his career. Same. But you know, as long as again, as long as he's on the field, he's as, he's as good as he's ever been. Yeah. And uh, he will be. You know, he's probably what two seasons away from creeping toward that three thousand mark. So that'll be a lot of fun once he gets there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's like you know it, he's. As surefire a Hall of Fame pitcher as there is right now, him yeah. and, and Verlander, I guess. Scherzer. I would say there's three. Scherzer. Just... Yeah, Scherzer too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I agree. For, for Scherzer. Yeah. Scherzer. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, those, those, those are probably, like, the three guys, you know, of the pitchers. I'm sure there's somebody else we're forgetting, but, like, those those feel like Hall of Fame locks. And, yeah. Well, and, I mean, it's you tricky because, you know, a lot of these guys are not going to have the same, like, oh, my gosh, 300 wins, but, you know. Right. When you when you look at how dominant guys like Verlander and Kershaw have been for as long as they are, I think you know you can't. We're, we're, hopefully, the voters not, not to take, take too long of a sojourn. But is Granky on that list, or has the last couple of years kind of um, muddled I think, that? For I think him. he's kind of one of these guys on the fringes a little bit. But I would yeah. say he's deserving. You no, know, yeah. I, I don't think he's going to be like. I don't think he's on that level. But right. I think he might be like like a CC Sabathia Hall of Famer. Like I think he might be kind of Makes around sense. there. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I think a lot of people would support. But his peak was really really high, but the valleys have yeah nothing. And right. he's just like well, you know, and he's also he's old now, and you know, it's like right. maybe maybe he can put together another year or two and just you know help a help a new team out and stuff. So um, yeah, I think there's I think there's plenty of guys on the fringe, but I think there's. And, and Degrom is a whole different argument. <laughs> like, well, yeah, Degrom. I mean, Degrom still, I feel like, has years to go, and also the injury so. stuff could really <laughs> mess that up for him. Really you know, but go, yeah. like, just on pure skill, he's he's insane, right? Yeah. But like, he's the Johan yeah. Santana three point you know? <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, oof, oof. Matt's gonna listen back to this and be very mad at us. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, we don't want it. We don't want that to happen. No, I, I would. I would love Degrom to just ruin everyone's lives for a few years and you know even, establish himself even dylan who's got to see Degrom four times a year doesn't yeah, want that to happen exactly. you know <laughs> um uh, another couple quick hits speaking of uh speaking of your uh fandom your allegiances dylan mm. uh, ronald acuna jr came back from oh. the his torn acl yeah. i mean uh. Punk. We uh, so we uh, we have mentioned many times we're in a Slack channel together with a bunch of other people. There are uh, two or three other Braves fans in there, yep. uh, and we were we were all watching uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. Triple A highlights or Double A highlights. <laughs> that, that has <laughs> been like a lot, every so lot often, you or Coolio would just post. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know what? I don't. We don't mind it. It's Ronald Acuna Jr. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think. I think this was forced a little bit. I mean, obviously he looks healthy, right? Like there's no way they would play him if he wasn't healthy, but because of Eddie Rosario's eye issue and just really poor performance from the bottom of the lineup, I think this was a really, you know, good move to boost. They just got, they just lost two out of three to the Rangers, which is like, ugh, like they're, they're in a very strange spot right now just because certain guys are hitting really well, but it's, it's kind of like, it's just not all together yet. So maybe Ronald, you know, once he gets his legs under him, once he has that spark, it'll it'll help them out a lot. But he had two yeah. stolen bases in his first game, which like, dude, coming off a torn ACL, like that's, a bunch that's of, like, that, was, that was the thing we were we were specifically I remember talking about was that he had like a bunch and he kept doing it in, in his uh, rehab assignments like a lot. If this dude's coming back from a torn ACL and stealing bases, you yeah. know, in uh, Jacksonville or whatever, yeah. I don't know what the Double A team is. Um, then, like, 
it feels like he's about ready to come back, right? Yeah. So it's, and, yeah, it's, um, it's it's good to see him back again. Like was the same with like Sam like Degrom, right? It's just it's yeah. better for baseball to see a yeah. guy like that on the field, healthy, playing baseball. One thing that was really interesting uh, that I feel like I may have mentioned before, but Chipper Jones was talking about uh, the injury he had. You know, he he played like five games in his rookie year when he was really young, and then tore his ACL. And he said he came back, and at that age, you're just really haven't trained your legs and stuff very much. And by the time you're actually done, and this is you know thirty years ago. Um, said his leg felt twice as good as it ever had felt before because it's the first time he had to like actually like really put time into like working out his legs because yeah. like baseball players are used to cardio they work out but like right yeah well and i think you said this before too is that yeah like he's he is a guy who you know like ken griffey jr right relied a lot on his athleticism and to have to actually work for the first time yeah. could make him it's, so much better yeah, yeah for sure uh, obviously you know i think the timing is going to be off i don't think he's going to be just like he's not going to have a thousand ops immediately you know what i mean like there's going to be some growing pains and something just because of not being able to play baseball. But I think the fact that he is so ready and willing to run is a great sign. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, that's, that's what we, we'd been saying for those two or whatever weeks that he was in the rehab assignment. Like he was clearly very willing to run and you know, it was possible that was part of his rehab, right? It's like that's part of his game. He's coming off an ACL. It is good. You know, that psychologically that's not an issue for him, right? That's what you might be concerned about as well. Is that like this dude's coming off a torn ACL. He might be concerned about running to, to re injure that ACL. Clearly that's not an issue. And that's, you know, it's, from a fan's perspective, good to see. I'm sure that it's cleared with this doctor, so I'm sure it's all good. But like, it's it's good to see that that, that that's not a concern for him. That there's not like a like a yips with his with his running. So right, yeah, it's good. Um, do we want to talk about the Schwarber ejection? Dude, that was so funny. I, I like I, I live for those types of moments. <laughs> like, I mean, it was just a horrible zone. What was that? A couple few days ago, but horrible zone all game. I think it was, it was a Sunday night game, right? That was the I last, think it was last week's Sunday night yeah, game. So yeah. It would have been probably right after uh, we recorded. Um, but yeah, what a what a scene! And Schwarber just had the pin up energy because it's funny they it was, lost. It was, yeah, it, was, it was immediate, and he was mad about both teams. But yeah. it was like it was like literally the like a second after the, the the strike call, he turns around, and then the hook. It's Angel Hernandez, right? So Angel yeah. Hernandez's hook is like, you don't even have to say anything about my wife. You just have to turn around and look at me, and I'll and I'll toss you out of the game. Schwarber knew exactly and then what at he that was point, about to do. Yeah. Once you've already tossed, like once Schwarber's been tossed, now he's got no incentive to not keep screaming at you, right? The worst yeah. thing he's gonna do is is get a fine unless he hits you. He's not gonna get anything more than a fine, so he's just gonna keep screaming. It's it's honestly a bad, it's, it's an unintelligent move from Hernandez's part to to just like let him scream at you for a, a couple of seconds. Mm. And then he'll walk away because he doesn't want to get tossed. But once you've tossed him, then he's going to keep screaming at you. Yeah, it was a. It probably felt so good. Could you imagine how good that must feel <laughs> to, like, <laughs> to get that moment out in front of everyone with everyone on both sides, probably super pissed off at this guy? And you well, get funny too, like Girardi comes out and like like you know talks. You know, he's Joe Girardi. He's doing his his thing and trying to you know, like talk down Hernandez, but like. What's he gonna do, right? Like he's, you know, like you guys already been tossed. Like at this point, who cares? It was, it was a good time, and uh, I mean, if you're gonna get tossed, make a show of it. You know, give give the fans yeah. something to talk about. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, that listen, that's what they come for is for the ump show. So, um, <laughs> and for my Andrew Hernandez ticket. <laughs> Uh, the, uh, the twins tigers walk off. I want to do a quick talk about as well. Not a lot to say. I don't think just, just really poorly played baseball from the tigers. Um, but this feels like, do you, do you remember that? Like Astros play? I don't remember who it was. It was the Astros. Oh, and the nationals. I remember now from like 2011, it was when the Astros were still in the national league. It was like a Kurt Suzuki, what turned out to be basically a triple on the in the infield because oh, they just right. couldn't. So when the Astros were like deep in there, yeah, they were really bad. It was like Altuve and nobody else. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I do remember that because I was like, yeah, yeah. So like this is this is all I could think of because like there's a moment in this play where the the Twins have a runner double. I think Soto is uh, sorry, it's not Soto. Sano is doubled up between second and third. He is. 
three quarters of the way to third base. The ball is at home plate. And so the catcher um, who, I don't know who the Tigers catcher is, but the catcher throws to the third baseman, <laughs> completely overshoots the throw, and the twins walk off. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's insane. <laughs> like it's so bad. Uh, it's Eric Hayes, and and you see right. you see Eric Hayes just like standing there with his hands on his knees, like I just gave them a win. <laughs> like it's just it's such For, a mess. And then there were a couple of those yesterday. Like the Red Sox lost to the Orioles in kind of embarrassing fashion, and there's another yeah, one yeah, that, did Pirates, that did Pirates, happen. That did happen. Brian Hayes stole one off of them. Um, who were they playing? Um, <sighs> know what i'm talking about though i think those padres padres pirates beat the padres on like yeah, a weird yeah. walk off so um yeah there's been some there's been some goofy ones but it's been it's been fun watching this um i i would just like to uh personally ask uh dr tyler bush to not put his head in the oven thank you <laughs> um <laughs> uh and then the last thing i don't know how much we want to talk about this just going to mention it real quick. The Trevor Bauer suspension has been handed down 324 games. That is two full seasons uh, suspension uh, that is not backdated, uh, which I think the last time we discussed it, we thought maybe it's going to get backdated, blah, blah, blah. Not backdated. 324 games from two days ago or whatever. So, you know, you know, yeah, middle of April of 2024 or whatever is when he would be uh, eligible to return. Um don't want to talk too much about the Bauer of it all. What I do want to mention is that it is the largest suspension. Is it the largest suspension ever? Certainly the largest suspension uh, for the domestic violence rule. Yeah, I mean, um, well, you know, you have the Pete Roses of the world, so. But that's know. like that's like a soft suspension, right? And that's also like, it's a. Yeah, it's you know, Not as a player. Yeah, it's different. Is it an official sure. ban? Yeah, so as far as, like, I've never heard of a suspension being this long, at least not for, like, because like, I'm trying to think of other players, because, you know, the steroid escalation, those penalties are right. really, really there was There was the Alex Rodriguez 162 like, games. Henry Rod- Remember Henry Mejia of the Mets? He was a yes. reliever. <laughs> I honestly, yeah, it took me a second to remember that name, but yes, I do, yeah. Henry, busted. for those who don't remember, it's Henry with a J and two R's. Yeah, he got busted real hard, and I feel yes. like he got suspended maybe, like, indefinitely or something, um, and eventually got in, but... I think, he's, yeah, he's I think you're right. Because PED suspension is, is is half a season, full season, indefinite. Yeah. But then he was reinstated. Yeah. Uh, he didn't play again. Yeah. Uh, but he did get reinstated. Yeah, his 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 suspension was technically indefinite. Yeah. So um, I guess that's technically longer. This is this is the longest I've heard of anything close to this type of situation for sure. Yeah. Um. um you know. So it's it's interesting. I mean, the the precedent is interesting. So uh, you know, I, I think again, in we we had been talking about like how much of this is truly because of the policy and how much of this is because of the way that Bauer has handled it all on Twitter oh. with Manfred, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, will we know? Probably never. Yeah. <laughs> but, I don't know. You know, I don't know how open that stuff is going to be regarding, um, you know, his trials or whatever he's got to go through, you know, but, uh, you know, I think, I think we're all content not seeing Bauer pitch for a long time. I think that's basically the long and short of it for most people. Um, and yeah, it was, it was just, a, it was more of an interesting number, you know, that it's hard. It's weird seeing a two year suspension, you know? Yeah. It's at two years. That, that, that is huge, you know, and again, it would, it, it would be, I would hope this is a an indication of future things to come for the MLB regarding their domestic violence policy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who knows if that's true or if that's what's right. going to happen or not. You know, again, it, it, it feels like it's a precedent that they're setting, yeah. uh, but will they go back on this precedent or not? The, the tricky part is that we don't, you know, they're setting a precedent for something. The tricky part is we don't know exactly what they're setting it for, right? Because we don't yeah. know... Was it because of his behavior in the this process? You know, was it because they found something in their investigation? You know, I'm curious what that precedent is. We probably won't know, but um, clearly whatever it was was severe enough for them to really want to, um, you know, bring the hammer down. 
Well, with all uh, with all luck, that's the most we'll have to talk about Trevor Bauer yeah. for the next two years. Good. I'm good um, putting a stamp on all Trevor Bauer conversations for multiple years. I mean, uh, you know, there's, he's obviously appealing the suspension, so we'll see what happens with that. There, there might we're prob- I, What I'm hoping is or assuming is going to happen is in a month or two, we're going to have a note about him losing the appeal and then potentially not talk about Trevor Bauer for two years. Yeah. Um, Here's uh, cool. Well, I think that's going to do it for the news around baseball. Uh, Dylan, thanks so much for joining. No problem at all. Anytime. Any, anytime. All right. I'm going to kick it now to Lewis, who is talking, uh, once again to Shane and Zach about the upcoming Dodgers Giants series. So stay tuned for that. Welcome back, everyone. Lewis here, and I am excited to be sitting down to preview the upcoming battle of NL West Giants and Dodgers. <laughs> see, see what I did there. Okay, thank you, thank you. Now I know Shane's back. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, I am sitting down today with uh, Zach, who is a Giants fan. I am a Giants fan. And Shane, who is our resident Dodger fan. That is me. We are coming uh, directly off about 30 seconds off of the Trevor Bauer news breaking. I'm sure that's going to be talked about in this episode at some point. Oh, so yes. kind of just trying to process all of that. But I'm, I'm here and I'm, I'm ready to talk about some baseball. <laughs> yes. Um, some <laughs> quick disclaimers. We are recording on Friday before the games, which should line up the timeline with literally when the Trevor Bauer news broke. Um, so... Like last week, I was interviewing the uh, a power ranker, and they were talking about who good, how good the Guardians were, and then the Guardians got shellacked by the Yankees um, and totally invalidated everything they had just said. Um, that, so uh, we'll, we do give that disclaimer. Now, even if both teams drop all three games of their weekend series, they're still going to be sitting pretty well uh, in the standings. Um, but uh, just that quick disclaimer, if we're talking about a hot streak and someone goes in an 0415 slump, fair warning, that's, that might happen. So, um, but with that in mind, we, let's, uh, let's get right to it and talk about this matchup that is coming up. It is a two-game set, which we were talking beforehand is weird that we have division rivals doing a two-game set. Um, but Tuesday, Wednesday series. And um, I guess before we get into the series itself, what were so we're, let's look at the expectations kind of coming in. I guess we'll start Zach for the giants. Um, great start to the season. What's been going right. And how can, how are they still fighting off this thing that every analyst and projector is saying regression, regression, regression. Why, why giants? How, um, I think I speak for almost every Giants fan when it comes to uh, projecting the Giants this year. When I say, I don't know, <laughs> like every every year it's something different, and every year it's either they're totally right, we suck, or the Giants win the World Series or win right. 107 games. It's like you you just don't know because they're just so random, and they have been for years. That's not to channel my 2014. 14 year old. Oh my God. So random, uh, <laughs> but really the, the giants are good. Uh, I think they're in a good spot. They obviously uh, they lost a couple players from, you know, either retirement or free agency. Uh, obviously Posey retired uh, bringing up uh, Joey Bart as the full-time catcher. Now um, they no longer have Kevin Gausman, who's been a great pitcher for two years. Uh, Chris Bryant's gone as well. So, you know, they had a lot of holes to fill. Uh, interestingly, you know, they didn't spend a lot of money. They didn't go for anybody really big. They didn't get Scherzer. They didn't get um, any big bats. They actually spent pretty conservatively. Um, but interestingly, I think they look maybe a little bit better than last year, strangely Ooh. enough. But it's it's all contingent on everything going right, right and nobody getting hurt. Like all their really big, if you want to call them really big signings, have primarily been pitching. Uh, you know, obviously uh, no more Cueto, no more Gosman. They managed to re-sign Alex Wood and uh, the guy whose name I pronounce differently every single time, 
Anthony Anthony Desclafani. Disco. I just rock with we Disco. We just call him Disco. I think that's... Disco is the better way, and that's how I'm going to, going to refer to him Me as Tony and Shane Disco. We had this conversation, and we agreed <laughs> to just call him Disco. That's yes. <laughs> uh, but uh, the big the big one being Carlos Rodon coming from the White Sox. Uh, one year after he you know made his first All Star appearance was I believe fourth in Cy Young, or no fifth in Cy Young voting, and threw a no hitter against the uh, Guardians. Um, and it's a two-year deal. It's not not a huge, huge deal, but he's getting paid forty-four million dollars, um, which I think it's a good it's a good price for him, uh, considering how good he was. And so far, he's been phenomenal. Absolutely lights out. Just ridiculous. He's leading the America. He's not even uh, sorry. He's leading the league, the entire league in strikeouts with thirty-eight, one point one seven ERA, only allowed six hits, eight walks, three earned runs through twenty-three innings. Uh, Giants couldn't win his first start, but so far have been good in his other three starts. Uh, the only other pitcher striking out players at a similar rate, um, which Rodon has 14.870 uh, strikeouts <laughs> overnight <laughs> pitched, uh, is Kyle Wright and Josiah Gray. And they're like two notches below him. It's absurd how good he's been. Uh, of course, the Giants' success will, you know, ride along basically if they stay healthy. Like every single pitcher after Webb is an injury risk um you've got Rodon like I said you have Alex Wood you have um Alex Cobb and you have Disco and so far my worries have been you know validated since Cobb's already been hurt and Disco's already yeah. been hurt um which is why they've been doing so many bullpen games um recently with long starting and then Jacob Junis coming in and pitching between like four and five innings um so far that's worked um you know, not too bad for them. They've, uh, they've won, I think two of those games, uh, obviously the last game against the A's didn't work out so well. Uh, but really their strength overall has always been pitching, um, basically within their championship runs. And within this year, it's, it's always focused on having really good pitching, keeping them in games. And so far it's like their worst loss has only been by four runs wow. um, against the Mets. Um, and it's also the only series they've dropped. Um, and the Mets are great. Like, yeah, they're the team that scares me the most. Let's not so, count any losses to the Mets as lol. You lost to the Mets it, this year. That's yeah. that's not the case. <laughs> yeah, for for once, it's not a joke. Right. right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, and I think my only concern with the Giants is like if they can get their bats working. Um, like I said, Posey's retired. Uh, Joy Bart's up with the team now as a full time catcher. Um, and I think that there's still some astronomical expectations that he'll be Posey 2.0, but really he was never meant to be that kind of player. He was meant to be like, you know, just not a liability. Right. It's very hard at this point to have a really solid catcher on your team. And Joey Bart's been filling that role perfectly fine. Um, he's able to create runs. He's able to get on base um, defensively. He's been fine. Um, you know, he'll, he'll still develop over time. He was never going to like come in and light the world on fire like Posey did, but right. I'm, I'm glad we, we've got him still. Um, Obviously, Belt's back, accepted a qualifying offer um, last year, finally kind of broke out before he got hurt. Um, yeah. Had that captain shtick going on. Yeah. Still, uh, still enjoyed, carrying it over. I enjoyed him <laughs> coming in on a boat. That was that yeah. was interesting. Uh, that was fun. <laughs> uh, he, uh, he set a career high in home runs. He almost hit the 30 home run mark uh, right before his injury. Uh, batted 274, 29 home runs, uh, 48 walks. Um, we're hoping that this is the year he finally breaks 30. Right. Um, the Giants have not had a 30 home run hitter since Barry Bonds. Speaking uh, of was last which, on the team. <laughs> uh, there is a user out there who still owes me a bet from like five years ago. I bet him the Giants wouldn't have a 30 home run hitter. And uh, I don't know if he's waiting for the Giants to finally have one to pay up, but uh, I will go through my comment history and find you again, whoever you are, because I forgot it's been five years. Sorry. Can I, I just, tell you what watching that? Can I tell you what watching the Giants is like, what that experience is as a Dodger fan? Like every time without fail. What sure. is it I put like on the game. It's like the eighth inning. The Giants are losing by one. And then, you know, Tyro Estrada hits a home run. <laughs> Or, you know, the third baseman throws the ball up the line and they score two runs. Like, every single time, something like that, at least that's how it feels. It feels like it, it just continues to pile on with this whole feeling of how the Giants have been this past year or so. Of just please go away. Please stop. And it just never stops. And it never ends. And it's so, like, it's so helpless, the feeling. I, I can't stand it. I, I hate every second of it. 
you know, another user actually inspired me to start uh, a post that's going to take me some time to complete. Uh, the user is uh, Steven JK, their Dodgers fan. Uh, three days ago, they they talked about the uh, Arenado throwing error that allowed the Mets to go ahead and, you know, basically win the game. And they wrote, uh, it's completely anecdotal, but of all the ways to measure championship contenders, be it run differential wins, what have you, the true metric for contention is how much BS you can conjure up to get a win. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the Giants are masters at that, and they have been since 2010. Like, everything has gone right in those years that they won everything. And they, on paper, were not that good compared to, you know, everybody else in the division, especially the Dodgers, but somehow they just kept making it work, especially in 2014. That one felt like the flukiest, you know, just speaking as a fan. And I'm, I'm wondering, I'm going through like <laughs> the history of like those games and the teams. And I'm looking at Gregor Blanco in particular, because Blanco is like a seven war career guy. Yeah. That was never like an MVP. He was never an all-star, never even close. Yet somehow throughout like every season from 2012 to 2016 that he was a giant just conjured up so much BS that went the Giants way, especially in 2012 and 2014. It's funny because it it was the opposite in 2013 where he was, it was the opposite held true where the BS went against the Giants. Like when, when the Homer Bailey no hit them, for example, uh, Blanco was their first base runner. He drew a walk and, and broke up the perfect game. And then Posey hit a ball to uh, Joey Votto, who had to go way off first base to get the ball. And then Homer Bailey didn't break for first. And it's like, oh, an infield hit's coming. And then Gregor Blanco decided to break for third and got thrown up by a mile. It's like, no. And then, the, you know, he ended up no hitting them. And right. that could have been their one hit and they didn't get it. So it's kind of funny to look back at that. But the Giants were always so full of players like that, like <laughs> how do you explain Barry Zito outperforming Justin Verlander? You know, how do you explain Pablo Sandoval popping up at three home runs in world series game one, a world series that everybody thought the tigers are going to win in five or six games. And only Grant Brisby predicted a four game sweep, which like, he himself admitted. He didn't actually think there was a four game sweep coming. It was yeah. just, <laughs> he's Grant Brisby. So he can get right. away with that. And, you know, project predictions are so funny. It's like trying to predict the heat death of the universe. You just don't know. Like the only person who knew the Giants were going to win 107 games last year was some manic street preacher in the Mission District going, Giants are going to win 107 games and I'm Jesus. And you're like, shut up. But he was right. It's just, it's it's a crapshoot. But like to, to focus on this year, I, I'm optimistic that if they could stay healthy, you know, they'll be a playoff team, I think, pretty easily. It's going to be tight between not only the Dodgers, but I think the Padres are going to finally put it together and actually make it a pretty tight race. Um, I don't expect the Rockies to stay at this current pace. They'll eventually fall off. I think it'll just be those three teams, um, especially when Tatis comes back. Yeah. Um, but the Giants are also waiting on a few guys like Lamonte Wade, uh, Evan Longoria, of course, Disco and Cobb. Um, if their bullpen can hold it together, I think that they're they're looking at another pretty deep run uh, late in the season. Of course, contingent on everyone staying healthy, right. like I said. It's just, it's so hard to say. Um, so I think, I think my liberal estimate would be 93 games that they win. Okay. And if everybody gets hurt, then they'll be like the tech, that one random Texas Rangers mm-hmm. team that finished last in the midst of their, yeah. <laughs> their playoff <laughs> success when everybody got hurt. So it, it, I'm, I'm optimistic, but cautiously optimistic for okay. those reasons. So Shane, how about the Dodgers? How, I mean, obviously they're always a fully operational death star. Uh, yes, sir. I think. I think they can take that from the Yankees now. Um, and e- e- how, how has the season been so far from a Dodgers perspective on uh, how, how is it? Is it fully operational? Is it more than fully operational? Did you suddenly have a second one for overkill? Because sometimes it feels that way. Uh, what, what, what's been going on in LA proper? Well, hopefully we can steal the Death Star name without stealing that awful Death Star two strike noise they play at Yankee Stadium oh, because that is maybe the worst yes. thing on this planet. <laughs> but getting on topic, I mean, yeah, like I feel like I say this every time, but the Dodgers are the Dodgers and they, they have been and they will continue to be. Um, looking at the team as a whole, we're coming fresh off this Arizona series where those last two games were really, really messy. I mean, they quite literally threw both of those games away, and that's not the kind of play you want to see from a team like this, especially against a team like Arizona. But it's early enough that that's all something that can be sorted out. Overall, you look at this Dodgers team, and you have to be happy. They've looked really sharp. Uh, their 117 WRC Plus is third in the NL. 
Uh, the Giants are at 105. They have the league best run differential. They both, uh, the Giants and the Dodgers, are tied at 44, plus 44. Um, they've just really been been marching teams down. And from a pitching perspective, this is also true for both teams, but the Dodgers have a uh, 2.21 team ERA, which obviously this isn't a fair comparison, but if that was a full season, would be the greatest uh, team ERA season since integration. And the second place would be the 2022 Giants. So there is a, <laughs> there is a gap of about half a run. I, no, not a half a run. There is a gap of about a tenth or so in there. But I thought that was that was perfect. Um, but yeah, the Dodgers are going to always keep moving as long as the pitching is as strong as it's been, which it has been. As long as the hitting keeps coming along, Freddie Freeman has been such an amazing addition to this lineup. He is the pinnacle of consistency. He's one of those guys that you don't fully appreciate until you get to see him every day and realize that, wow, yeah, he is that 300, 400, 500 slash line guy every single game, day in, day out. He'll work the whole field. He'll get his walks. He's amazing. He's so fun to have at the top of this lineup. Um, overall, from going back to your your fully operational question, there are definitely a, a couple holes so far. Justin Turner has been off to a very slow start. He's always a slow starter in April, especially. Um, but there is some hope. He's been hitting the ball decently well, and he specifically identified opening up in this last Arizona series is an adjustment he made. So that's something that you can watch for moving forward. Other than that, uh, Mookie Betts hasn't been off to a great start, even though he's shown his flashes. Uh, Max Muncy is maybe starting to get out of it, but he had a slow start to the season. But other than that, you have to be really happy with this, especially Cody Bellinger. We spent so much time yeah. making fun of Cody Bellinger, talking about what he can't do, talking about the strikeouts. Even in spring training, we were talking about the strikeouts. And he did have a, a rough series results-wise in Arizona, so a lot of those flashy offensive numbers have already don't look as great as they did a week ago. But he was still hitting the ball just as well. And if you look at the baseball savant page, same with Gavin Lux, both of those guys, as much as you could ask for from a quality of contact perspective, just from looking like hitters up there. And that's a big thing for Cody, because when Cody was at his worst, he looked so lost and he's still striking out a lot, maybe too much right now. But to see him look like a hitter in the box is a massive step up. But yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, the, the lineup has been great. Um, the pitching has been even more unbelievable hard to find something to complain about but then you see the giants are always still there like they always are and it never <laughs> ends and i uh, want to wake up from this nightmare are you expecting another 100 win season based on you know the start and the projections here yeah i mean i i think it would be it's it's always hard to, pro to project 100 games it's a big right. number but i think this team you kind of have to give them benefit of the doubt until they show you otherwise i mean 2021 106 2020 they were on a crazy they were on like that theoretical 116 win right. pace uh, 2019, I think, was also 106. So, like, yeah, they've they've done it. This team is just as good as those teams for the most part. I think this roster has um, a higher ceiling than some of those rosters, but maybe not quite the same floor as, like, a 2020 or even a 2017. Mm. I think those teams had, like, a locked-in minimum just because there was so much talent, especially on the offensive side. I just think from a depth perspective, I mean, having guys like Jock Peterson and Kike Hernandez on like as your first couple guys off the bench, that's not what this team looks like. And that's fine. You know, maybe Edwin Rios can can look like that uh, best A-B to home run ratio hitter ever like he did in his first two years. Um, we'll have to see. But I yeah, I, 100 wins would probably be the benchmark of what you would expect. And I would I would anticipate them much more likely than not exceeding that by a couple games all right so the actual series coming up tuesday and wednesday both late starts 10 10 eastern time um so east coast insomniacs rejoice there is some really great baseball uh <laughs> central uh, central time zone night owls and uh mountain and pacific just enjoy having a wonderful evening of baseball i guess um so that's that's what the series is coming up. But like we said, it was it's weird. It's only two day, two games and it's the first tilt between these two teams this season. And then when do you guys even play again? Uh, it's I feel like your schedule is pretty backloaded with uh, we, play, we play in June, uh, wow. June 10th through 12th. So will be the next series. So you guys are pretty backloaded schedule wise. So this is just a, a little taste of what this rivalry is going to look like. Who's going to be on the mound? Um, Zach, we were talking beforehand. You have a, a, a little bit of an idea, um, but uh, well, why don't you tell everyone who wasn't here, you know, before we hit record? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be tough because like I said, the Giants, 
uh, are suffering from some injuries, uh, Cobb and Disco are, you know, not fully healthy right now. So like for, for this series, it's Alex Wood and then Logan Webb. And then it's a big TBD on Sunday just for the national series. So to pre- predict what's going to happen with the Dodgers, I would have to assume game one is going to be Carlos Rodon on the mound, followed by um, maybe Alex Wood again. It, it's, it's too hard to predict at this point. Like it could be another bullpen game. It depends on who comes back. Um, okay. Yeah. But my, my hope is Rodon for at least game one. That way we can almost ensure that we could stay in that one. Right. Right. <laughs> and that's, and that's something that's interesting. Uh, always interesting, especially in these tight division races is how do managers set up their rotation to maximize getting the best starts against the teams, you know, you need to be competitive with um, Shane, who do the Dodgers have kind of lined up for that Tuesday, Wednesday set? The Dodger rotation looks to line up pretty cleanly to Tony Gonsolin in game one and Julio in game two. Uh, Tony Gonsolin is a guy who I always have to scream from the rooftops is criminally underrated, both as a pitcher and as a character, because the dude is just hilarious. But a career over about a full season's worth of innings now across four seasons because they used him as a reliever a lot and they've kind of flirted with him as a starter with the injury issues with the shoulder last year. Hopefully that's really what they see him as, I think, as that fifth starter. He's been a uh, 2.71 ERA guy in that full season, which is a 154 ERA plus. And that's unbelievable his issue is always going to be the walks as long as he can find the zone he'll be good he's had a couple uh, you know the the walks are always up for him but as long as he can kind of walk through the trouble which he quite literally always has he's someone you have to feel good about and then Julio Arias is a guy who at the very beginning of the season there was a little bit of concerns that Velo was way down in his opening day start in Colorado Um, but he's he's looking to slowly regain his form his Velo's been ticking back up Uh, his results I think he's only allowed uh, either one or two earned runs over his last three starts. So he, he definitely looks like himself again. Um, as long as, you know, Dustin May is still very far off. He's a, hopefully in August or a September. But so far, this Dodger rotation, you know, slipping a Tyler Anderson start here and there. Um, Andrew Heaney is currently dealing with a shoulder issue, but his start was as at, literally as great as you could ask for. Uh, the rotation is in really good shape. Okay, so it's pretty uh, amazing how on the same level each rotation is too. Because if you look at the Giants' rotation right now, if uh, like on paper it doesn't look as good, like Disco has a six oh eight ERA and and Cobb has a four eight two ERA, but they've been getting super unlucky. Uh, when you look at like their Babbitt and their uh, expected uh, fielding independent pitching, like I think I think Cobb's is under one. For <laughs> <laughs> like it, he he got. He got so unlucky in that uh, Mets series. It's it's just crazy how how tight I think these games are actually going to be um, with 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 each rubber match. I think it's just going to be like it's going to be that classic torturous like one to two or oh, no. two to three scoring games. Well, especially with completely... how dead offense has been. Yeah, well, look at they can defy my expectations. It could be like a ten to nine kind of kind of thing because that kind of thing always happens too so you know who knows one, one thing about the dodgers three, i was at game three last year at dodger stadium of the nlds and it was just the windiest worst i've ever seen dodger stadium it was unbelievable and i sat up in the reserves getting like blown at with wind for three hours just to watch the giants shut out the dodgers win one to nothing and just watch so many (laughs) balls die in the wind and watch so much stoop like that's that's going back to what i talked about of what the experience is like that's what it feels like and every time the giants come into town i'm always you know kind of ready to to roll my eyes there but yeah like i mean i mentioned earlier those those all-time ERA numbers that we've seen so far, these two teams are the the cream of the crop from from a pitching perspective. And then along with the Mets, they are also the class of the NL and really of baseball from an offensive perspective as well. So this is as good of a matchup as you could ask for. Obviously, the way that both of these teams get there maybe looks a little different. Um, I still don't even get me started on Brandon Crawford again. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's it's great. This is, this is what baseball is all about, man. I agree. And I know, I know, I feel like this year, like every single year I watch the Dodgers, there's always at least one guy, the biggest pest that just destroys and beats on the Giants. That drives me insane. I think it's usually Chris Taylor and I hate him so much. Like, don't even get me started on how much I can't stand that guy. But I feel, I actually like Max Muncy, to be fair. Like, I thought Bumgarner was an idiot, but 
is what it is. I feel like this year, Gavin Lux is going to be that guy. I think he's just going to annoy me so much. He's got the memeable face. He does, especially after that postseason uh, flyout. Ouch. That's what I, I was talking watching about. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this year, he feels like a different player entirely. Like, he's the been so far like on the same level as as freddie freeman in terms of like you know the short sample size wins about replacement like he's been really good and i have a i have a feeling he's gonna beat on us and i'm gonna i'm gonna dread it but you know i i can't complain that the dodgers are, are a good team like they're so fun to root against and they're so fun to watch like i'm so happy we finally got a playoff series between the two teams right. last year like it was about time because we've been so saturated with the Yankees and Red Sox facing off in the postseason. We've never really gotten a taste of the Giants and Dodgers, you know, when the stakes are as high as they are. And of course, I wasn't very satisfied with how it ended, but yeah, good for Cody Bellinger for turning it around when he did. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we're just about uh, at time here to wrap it up. Uh, one quick thing from each of you that you are, other than, you know, watching baseball and uh, hoping your team wins, what is one thing you are going to be looking for in this series that uh, you hope to glean for, from it for the rest of the year? Zach? I am hoping that the Giants can prove, like last year, that their depth is no joke. Uh, I think that's really what carried them to 107 games last year. You know, when people did get hurt, they always had somebody on the bench they could just throw in there. Um, and they got a lot of rest as well. They were able to put like just kind of plug and play different people in. Uh, they were able to play it by matchup. And I saw them do that this year, too, by putting a full righty lineup against a lefty pitcher. Uh, it, it should be interesting to see, like, Luis Gonzalez, not that Luis Gonzalez, uh, <laughs> looks pretty good so far off the bench. Uh you know, uh, Dubon is a good utility sort of guy uh, to have in the infield and give people uh, a rest. Darren Ruff, not so great to start the season, but he is drawing a lot of walks, has a good eye. Um, and Slater has to play in place of uh, both Duke, uh, Duggar and Yastrzemski. Uh, but really, I, I look forward to the people you don't think about as much stepping up and, and making a difference, whether they're pinch hitting or just filling in for a normal would-be starter. Uh, and I'm very looking forward to seeing what happens uh, with Jock Peterson facing his former team in a Giants uniform, um, which I'm still getting used to, and I'm enjoying it so far. But it's 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 a strange sensation. I'm sure uh, Shane, you're. <laughs> having... I don't I don't know how it's gonna how I'm gonna feel about it when I saw. I I was actually at his right. his first game back at Dodger Stadium, um, and it was cool. He got an amazing reception. He he always gets a lot of love. He's a fan favorite. You'll still see Jock Peterson jerseys walking around Dodger Stadium now. But yeah, I mean that was kind of kind of a, a heartbreaker for me um as for as for the dodgers as for the the two main kind of what to watch for is not just for these next couple series but for the season as a whole um one we talked about gavin lux it'll be his defense uh, a ton has been said about gavin lux's defense as he's con as he's come up he's admitted to having the yips uh i i referenced this this recent arizona series he had a multiple bad bad plays in that series that were responsible for for those losses so he's going to be a big guy to watch uh, his bat was always kind of what made him the super hot prospect that he was and we're I really think that we're going to see that this year I think he's going to hit very well but his defense will really determine his value especially in terms of Trey Turner because Gavin Lux is the kind of guy, if he does break out, that they might not want to re-sign Trey Turner next year because they might want to move that money and allocate it to re-signing pitching, Bueller or Urias or something. You, you can't keep all of those guys. So you're going to have to make those choices. And, you know, if Gavin Lux comes out and he breaks out this year and he looks like he could be your shortstop of the future, that would be huge. But if he, you know, continues to throw the ball all around, even from second base, you can't expect him to be that. Uh, the other thing would be Mookie Betts' aggressiveness, uh, especially in hitters counts. This has been... A big thing I've been watching uh, the last year, I feel like every time Mookie gets into a three-ball count, he wants to walk. Uh, and that's not a good place to be in from a hitting from a hitting approach perspective. Not I mean, what do I know? But just from, from watching it, it's he doesn't have that killer instinct. And then I feel like he overcompensates, and then he's swinging at first pitches, and he's popping them up. So for him, it's a matter of finding that balance somewhere in between, finding whatever that's whatever comfortable is. I don't think I'll ever see a ten more twenty eighteen Mookie season again, or at least not one in a Dodger uniform. But I hope that I can see something closer to the twenty twenty, you know, top 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 end guy. Okay, well, hey, for uh, those of you still listening, 
once again, that series starts on Tuesday, 10.10 Eastern time. And uh, I am excited to probably watch the highlights the next day. My grad school class starts next week, and then I got to be up for it. So that's kind of lame. But um, I am excited <laughs> to uh, follow this series the, the rest of the year. And I'm excited that it's a little backloaded so that uh, we can watch them play down the stretch a little more this year. Uh, and uh, I hope uh, everyone listening enjoys that as well. So Zach, Shane, thanks for uh, joining me here today. And uh, I'll turn things back over uh, to whoever's going to do the outro this week, because I don't know at this point. So thanks for listening and uh, stick around for the outro. everybody, that'll do it for this week's episode of Our Baseball Weekly. Thanks so much for listening. Our Baseball Weekly is executive produced by Lewis, and our production administrator is Christine. This episode was hosted by me, Nime, and I was joined by Dylan. Our theme music was composed by Chuck Lease. Our Baseball Weekly releases every Monday at 1 a.m. Eastern Time. We'll see you next week, and for all those who celebrate, Eid Mubarak.